Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. Trials work for us, not against us. God is in control. There is an end to what we're going through. Maybe you heard about the story about the guy that lost his dog. Uh, he put an advertisement in the newspaper to try to find him, and he wrote, Missing brown dog with three legs, blind in one eye, deaf in one ear, broken tail, answers to the name, Lucky. <laughs> Poor guy. There's no purpose in all that stuff in this dog's life. But there we are, limping along, nursing our wounds. And what do they call us? We answer to the name, Blessed, because God loves us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. As we look at all the tragedies and hurt in our world and even in our own lives, we may wonder, is God working even in that? While it may be hard to grasp the side of heaven, the answer is yes. He's using that situation somehow and working toward the goal of making us more like Jesus. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Tater will take us to Romans 8.28, and what he refers to as a wonderful pillow to rest our weary heads on. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, to be precise. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is a Bible study that I've entitled, Yes, God is Working Even in That, part 1 as we have a part two coming up soon. Yes, God is even working in that. Whatever you might bring to him and wonder if God is working in it, the answer is yes. So let's read this together, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let's read it together. Let's read it loud. I'll start it off, and then you guys finish it off. You ready? Romans 8, 28. And we know for the good to those who love God according to his purpose. Isn't it such a great truth? Romans 8.28 is meant to be a pillow to rest your weary head on. To know that yes, God is working even in that. That God is at work all the time. That yes, he is using that situation somehow. That yes, God cares about you. That he hasn't forgotten about you. And I know that it's not always a comforting verse to hear when you're in the middle of a trial or a testing. Somebody finds out that you're, you're going through something and, and they say, hey, I have a verse for you. I have a scripture for you. And they text it to you or they share it with you. And there it is. It's Romans 8.28. And it's, it's hard to receive at times. It seems so shallow. It might even sound like a cliche. But I want you to know that someone sharing a scripture with you is because they love you. 
And yeah, there you are. You're like, man, if you only knew how bad it was, if you only knew what I was feeling, and yet on the other end, it's because we don't know how, how bad it is, and we don't know everything that you're going through, that we reach out to the God who does. And not everyone is so versed in the Scriptures. Not everyone knows so many different places to go. But one of the first verses that's introduced to someone, one of the first verses maybe of the top 10 that are memorized by a new believer is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it's because of the hurt that you're going through and it's because of of what you're facing that, that we grasp on to the most powerful truth, maybe even in our own lives, to share with you, to help sustain you, to help carry you through this time to remind you you're not alone, to remind you that God is at work. And as we watch you go through pain, we reach out for that powerful pillar of truth to share with you. God is at work. And it's true, not everything goes our way. We know that. We, don't, we understand it. Not everything happens the way that we plan. There are tragedies. There are sudden tragedies. The wor- world is filled with sorrows and difficulties our own lives perhaps filled with them. Some experience more than others. Some just seem to to have it laid on trial upon trial upon trial. Some are more obvious. Some are more private. And everything in between. Jesus faced them. And if we follow him, then we will too. As we learned, Paul taught us, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You know, Paul wrote something else, and if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he reminds us how tough times can cause us to lose heart, and tough times can cause us to lose sight of eternity. And tough times can cause us to to lose sight of God and His purposes in our lives. The pain can be so deep and so intense. And what does he say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16? It says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. And if you haven't already marked this, please mark this phrase. Our light affliction is working for us. That's important to remember in tough times. The things that are happening in your life, God is using them and working. They're working for us, not against us. They're they're working for us to develop and strengthen us, to conform us, as we learn in Romans 8, 29, into the image of Jesus Christ. These light afflictions, why can we see them as light? Because God's working in them and and He's using them. They're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. As we approach our trials by faith, we trust that there's purpose in our pain. There is an end that we will come to where we will understand how all the pieces fit together. And we come back to Romans chapter 8 and we remember what we learned here is we know that all things work together for the good. A believer who's been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ knows this. We may not always believe it. We may not always accept it. 
but we know it. And therefore, that fuels our faith to look at what we don't see and not to be distracted by what we do see. Trials work for us, not against us. God is in control. There is an end to what we're going through. Maybe you heard about the story about the guy that lost his dog. Uh, he put an advertisement in the newspaper to try to find him, and he wrote, Missing brown dog with three legs, blind in one eye, deaf in one ear, broken tail, answers to the name, Lucky. <laughs> Poor guy. There's no purpose in all that stuff in this dog's life. But there we are, limping along, nursing our wounds. And what do they call us? We answer to the name, Blessed because God loves us and he's done so much for us and we respond to the grace of God with appreciation knowing that God's going to work all things together for the good we're reminded of God's promises to us of his faithfulness his promise to us that he's working together for good everything that comes into our lives or another way of looking at that is nothing that has ever happened in your life, nothing is ever wasted by God. It is all used according for His purposes and His plan for your life. The goal is to be made more like Jesus Christ. Notice verse 29. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. There's a conforming process, a work that is happening. Nothing, absolutely nothing is wasted by God. Now, that doesn't mean, this verse doesn't teach that God is working all things together for our comfort or for our ease or for our continual happiness. Nor does it mean that all things are good. It doesn't mean that all things are good. Because we know that not all things are good. Some things are just really bad and hard and difficult. And yet, all things are working together for good. Or you could put it this way. God is working all things together for our good and His glory. Where He'll receive all the attention and all the appreciation for the finished product as He works in our lives. It's true, not everything happens to us is good. Some of it can be very bitter. Some of it can be very sour. Some of it can be very hurtful and surprising at that. I was reminded recently of this, this game that the kids play. It, it's, it uses jelly bellies. Maybe you've heard of it. So jelly bellies are amazing, wonderful, some of the best candy that's ever been made on the planet Earth, jelly bellies. You can buy them. I'm doing this because you can buy them in a big old container at Costco. And they have all kinds of flavors in them. And, and I'm one of those guys that I'll take it out and I'll separate the flavors because there's some of them in there that are just plain nasty. The, the nastiest jelly belly is the licorice flavored one. Why anybody likes that flavor, I don't understand it. 
And so we separate them, we put them in a bag, and, and there's one of the brothers here likes licorice, but they never make them here because nobody in our house, I, I never bring them into the office because nobody in my house likes licorice, we throw them away. And that, that's just not right, throwing candy away. But I don't think licorice jelly bellies are real candy. So let's just make sure we understand. So, so you got the jelly bellies and you like them, and then there's the good one. And then, so I looked it up for you guys. You guys get the whole picture because I looked it up in between services. On this side, they make some really nasty jelly bellies. It's actually a game called Bean Boozle. Bean Boozle. They're the, they look the same, but very different tastes. So the high school kids were playing this not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago, and I'm going to be Mr. Pastor and go in and play the game with great courage and great bravery. And basically what you do is you lay out the, the regular ones and the nasty ones and you mix them up and then you pick one and you take your chances. So on the good side, so on the good side, the white one is, I think, coconut. Oh, so good. Just stack them up with white ones and take them in. But on the bad side, now I'm going to, you guys aren't the bad side, but I'm just doing it for the, just so you know, I'll flip it around on another one. So on the bad side, back then, they've changed it since then. I'll give you the new flavors. But back then, the white one on the bad side was baby wipes. Clean baby wipes, but baby wipes nonetheless. So I step into the game, and I'm Mr. Brave. I take a white one, very apprehensive, put it in, bite it. Yes, I got a good one. Ha, 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 ha. All you guys lose, I win. I got a good one. And so it was coconut, it was good. I got this game, no problem. Go around the table, couple bad ones. It comes back to me. I go back to the white ones. That's my go-to. I'm the one with the right eye. I go, I take it out. I bite into it. Baby wipes. <laughs> and by then... There's nothing you can do. It's stuck on your tooth. It's all in your mouth. It's gone up your nose already. And it is nasty. So, so some of the flavors, some of the flavors, so they've changed the, they've changed the baby wipes now. They've improved it to be sour milk. You could also pick the wrong one that is boogers. Or rotten eggs. Canned dog food, stinky socks, barf. Yes. There were. <laughs> I know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> Moldy cheese. If you mix those all together, I think you'd agree that it would not be very tasty. And life's like that, isn't it? You just pick it up, you think it's going to be, you just, you, you, you walk into somebody, you just think it's going to be the best, it's just going to be wonder, and then you bite into it and you go, man, this is not good. And this is going to last for a while. And life can be like that. Life can be really, really hard and tasteless and difficult, and sometimes the taste will last. And yet God is at work, isn't he? Working all things together for the good. You know, I have in my hand, I have in my hand a cookbook. It's the Better Homes and Garden Cookbook. Now, those of you that only look up your recipes on the internet, this is a cookbook. It is a book with paper inside, 
and, and inside, now this one would particularly was, was printed in 1968, this version. I borrowed it from one of the sisters here at the church. And inside are recipes of all kinds. So there's the appetizers, there's the breads, there's the barbecues, there's candies. Well, that's a good one. There's canning, easy meals, there's cookies, there's, there's all sorts. Lunches, dinners, and of course the best part of a cookbook are the desserts. The desserts. And inside a cookbook are a series of recipes of what it would take and how it would take and all the steps that are necessary to take all of these massive ingredients to the finished product. And so I looked up and I found a recipe on lemon chiffon cake. Lemon chiffon cake. Here's the recipe. Six egg yolks, six egg whites. To which my first question is, don't they come in the same container? <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> One tablespoon of lemon peel, half a cup of orange juice, a teaspoon of vanilla, one and a quarter cups of all-purpose flour, half a cup of sugar, and a half a cup of lemon juice. And then there are instructions on how to mix them, put them together, you then heat up the oven and mix them all together and put them in. But I skipped one ingredient because, you know, this is just a weird ingredient. It's called cream of tartar, right here. You need a half a teaspoon of this if you want the lemon cake, this stuff. Last night I found out that this is a very bitter substance and that it's a bonding agent, cream of tartar. It's also a very expensive illustration. It cost me five bucks at King Supers to pick this up yesterday. And I went into the spice section looking for it. This stuff's so bad they hide it in the corner, man. You can't even find it. There's like a million of them there because nobody's buying it. I think it lasts forever, forever, cream of tartar. But you're not having a lemon cake without it. You're not going to be able, this particular lemon cake, you're not going to be able to have what, what's in mind by the creator of the recipe unless you add this to the mix. You have to have it. As bitter and as tart as it might be, it's got to go in. And it's got to go in at the right time. And it's got to be mixed in thoroughly. And it's going to be put into the heat of the oven. Cream of tartar. Can't have it without it. There are many things that are needed but by them to make this cake, but by themselves, they're not very appealing. I mean, who wants, you know, if you were having a great dinner and then for dessert, you bring out, hey, what's for dessert? What's for dessert? It's a one and a quarter cup of flour. Have at it. And you're like, flour? Yeah, I'm giving you one of the ingredients of the lemon. Hey, here's some cream of tartar. Have at it. Empty it out. I need a new one. And you're like, what? What? Here's some lemon peels. Chew on them for a while. And again, isn't life like that? There's even a phrase uh, that's, being that's, that's used to describe a difficulty in life where you refer to life being like raw eggs. You know, unless you're working out or trying to beef up or anything, I don't know too many people that are downing raw eggs in the morning. That just sounds nasty to me. I did it as a kid. It was nasty then. I'm sure it still is now. And some of you mentioning eating raw eggs just made your gag reflex move too. So it's like, it's nasty. Life can just be bad. And yet, and yet like a recipe, God uses it all. You could put it this way. If you don't use, if you use all the ingredients, but you choose to take some out, you're not going to get the same result. If you use the, all the ingredients, but you want to add your own thing, now you could say, Ed, I've adjusted recipes and I've done, well, that, that's good, but it's not the original recipe. 
So, you know, I've taken this out and I've added this. Well, well, now it's your recipe. You see, God, you could say, has a recipe for your life. We often refer to that as a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And and he's going to take, you know, the good parts like sugar, and he's going to mix it with the bad parts like cream of tartar, and he's going to mix it up. He's going to put it in the oven, and through the heat of trials and difficulties, the finished product's going to come out. God has a plan for your life. And God will allow in measured quantities some things that you don't think are desirable. And God is going to prohibit certain things in your life that that you think you really need. And God says that's not what you need in order to get you at the end result. Nothing is wasted. You, You look at things and you go, man, what is this, Lord? Why this? And you remember God's working all things together for the good. He uses the eggs and he uses the flour and he uses the sour and the sweet and the good and the bad. They come to us all because God loves us. And he's working all things together for our good, for our best, for his will. When we come back to Romans 8, 28, it's easy to read this verse this way. And now we know that most things work together for the good. It's easy to read it. And now we know that some things work together for the good. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that God works all things together for the good. It's not most, it's not some, it's all of it. All the difficulties, even if those difficulties go way back to your childhood, to your upbringing, all the way to your present day. Yes, God is working even in that. That's the title we've given this message from Ed Taylor. And it's a two-parter. Perhaps you'd like to hear both messages in their entirety or the entire series it was taken from called Help for the Troubled Heart. Call us here at Abounding Grace for the ordering details at 877-30-GRACE. You can also access the audio files online at helpforthetroubledheart.com. We've also put this entire series, Help for the Troubled Heart, onto a USB thumb drive, making it super easy to load onto your computer, listen to in your car, or give to that person in your life that is hurting and could use the encouragement. We'll gladly send the series on the thumb drive for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call 877-30-GRACE and we can take your request for this special offer. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. Ed, a question comes to mind that virtually all of us wrestle with from time to time when we encounter people who are suffering, and that is, what do we say to them at such times? As you recall your own experiences and look at Scripture, can you help us with that? Well, Larry, you know, suffering and someone's hurt and pain and the trouble in their hearts is a big opportunity for us to step into their lives and love them and serve them with the hope that, that we've been given. Uh, I know that after our son passed away, there was so much love. There was such an outpouring of love and encouragement and strength, even though we couldn't immediately acknowledge it, uh, even though we couldn't reciprocate it, we received it. And we were so encouraged. This is something I started writing on on my blog at edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. I wrote an article entitled, Four Things Your Grieving Friend Needs From You. And that could could be your suffering friend, your hurting friend, 
And I started with your grieving friend needs encouragement, needs your love, number two. Number three, needs you to hear and share from the Lord, like you have a word from the Lord. And your grieving friend needs you just to be there, something that we call the ministry of presence. So don't feel overwhelmed like you have to say something or like you have to have the right words. Just be there and be careful to listen to the Lord and be used of Him, knowing that truly you are in His hands. And and as you step into their life, I know it's a little fearful and you might be a little concerned uh, walking in their lives, you know, being there for them, but just be there for them. The Holy Spirit will be there with you. And, and as you're there, you'd be surprised and you will be surprised just how much God uses you. So go to my website for more information on all these things, edtaylor.org, because I, I think I wrote another article, Five Things Your Grieving Friend Doesn't Need to Hear From You. And and just things, just real practical things that will help you walk alongside a friend that's suffering, grieving, uh, or just has a troubled heart, you know, maybe a little depressed, a little discouraged, that the Holy Spirit wants to use you and the Holy Spirit will use you. Thanks, Ed. That's very helpful. When our heart is troubled, we may wonder where to turn. And the Lord and His Word has the help and encouragement we need for those seasons of life. Visit our website at helpforthetroubledheart.com and find resources that can bless your life and help you gain and maintain the right perspective. Again, that's helpforthetroubledheart.com. When our heart is hurting, it's always a good idea to turn to the Lord in prayer. And we'd like to pray for you. Send in your requests to prayer at calvaryaurora.org. Next time on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will continue our series, Help for the Troubled Heart. Invite a friend to listen. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora. 